Merkel Media. And there was a lady's leg found, just the leg, just the bottom half of the leg. And uh, they said, oh, it's just no suspicious circumstances. There's nothing going on here. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long, bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section. You can reach me that way as well. Either way it works for me, just get a hold of me. And if you want more shows every week on Thursdays, we drop the member episodes for members only. And that is available on the website and and the app, which is really a cool app. People have been really enjoying it. And you also get the Tuesday shows on the app, which are ad free. So if you don't want to hear the ads during shows and stuff, you can listen to it on the app ad free for members. So if that interests you, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become that member today. Also head to preparewiththeconfessionals.com if you're looking to get some emergency preparedness food and survival gear in your life for those emergencies. That's right there at preparewiththeconfessionals.com. Everything that you could possibly need in emergencies and survival is right there on that website waiting for you. Now today's show is an overtime show. We're bringing on Deborah Hatswell from BBR Investigations in the UK. Deborah and I had a great time talking for quite some time on this recording. We talked about Bigfoot, Dogman, ET, a bunch of stuff that she's been gathering since the 80s that's happening in the UK. It's an awesome show you're about to hear. And to let you know, we are doing this on YouTube today as well. So if you want to watch the video version of this where her and I are talking on video, head on over to the YouTube channel, The Confessionals, hit subscribe and watch the video of today's interview right there on the YouTube channel. So let's get to Deborah right now. All right. Today we got Deborah Hatswell on the show. How are you, ma'am? I'm very well. Thank you, Tony. Thank you for asking me. Uh, I'm really glad you're here. You know, I 
and I honestly, I don't remember exactly how I found you. Uh, I, I I was sitting here in the office and I was looking something up. I almost feel like I was looking something up for my show on uh, on um, Apple Apple Podcasts, and I, I came across your show. And uh, and I, I get ADD, like I, I just get distracted on things. And so, yeah, I I decided to uh, check out your podcast instead of doing whatever I was doing. And I wound <laughs> up sitting here listening to the episode. And I was like. I think I want this lady on my show if she's willing. So I reached out to you and you were willing to come on. So thank you very much. No, you're welcome. You, we, I have a tiny channel here in the UK. Um, but people tend to find me. you know, I'm very lucky like that. So when you asked me to come on, I was overjoyed because I know that you have a massive following in the UK and Europe. So I thought there'd be lots of listeners out there that haven't, of you or me if you get what I mean and it'd be ace to do a compilation but once I told people I was coming on they were like oh I love that guy oh I love that channel I love that podcast so yeah I think you made half of Britain happy (laughs) that's awesome that's awesome you know it's funny because when when you're recording and you put out shows you never know who's listening and stuff and when I when I was early in podcasting I, I really looked at my you know geographical stats a lot and stuff and over time I'm just like I guess people are listening. I don't know where they're at, though. So it's really cool. So shout out to everybody in the UK that uh, listens to the show and, uh, you know, connects with Deborah as well. Uh, Deborah, you, let's let's first get into uh, what you do as far as your organization that you founded and what you guys are doing. And then from there, uh, I want to move into like the the roots and the foundation of, you know, what got you going. But if you could just give your give your everything a shout out here, you know, your podcast, your, you know, investigative uh, community and all that. Um, I started 1982, building a community where regardless of what you witness or whatever your experience is, that you can reach out to them and you can make a report of it. Because We'll touch on it later, but I had an experience when I was 15 and I realised that there was nobody really out there to help me with it. So we set up a business called BBR and that started out as British Bigfoot because back in the day, that's all I was looking for was uh, Bigfoot witnesses in the UK. And I didn't expect to find any and I found over 400 in the end. But as the years rolled on, I realised when I was, and you'll understand this, when you're interviewing somebody and maybe they've seen a cryptid or they've had experience with a reptilian, if you say to them, is anything else strange ever happened to you? Nine times out of ten that they'll say, well, actually, it's funny you should say that. They'll have like maybe a paranormal report. Sometimes lots of phenomena happens to just one ordinary person. And I realised that, we were separating these witnesses off into genres. So the Bigfoot witnesses didn't mix with the paranormal lot and the paranormal lot mixed with the UFO. And I thought this is, we should get everybody talking because regardless of what you've seen or what you've experienced, you know what it's like to see something impossible. And sometimes it's really validating if somebody says, oh, that's exactly what it was like for me. Or that was similar for me. I think it's just helps them. So that's how the podcast started in the YouTube channel and everything's under BBR, Deborah Hatsfield, just to make it as easy as possible for people to find me. Um, in America, you have, and Canada, you have a, a massive understanding of Bigfoot and Sasquatch creatures. 
So it's it, you hear about it in the UK, not so much up until about twenty ten, something like that, before it was a a large subject. So the, you've not got many British people googling the word Bigfoot or Sasquatch. You're probably going to ask Wild Man or an Ape Man. Uh, that pops up more than anything. So yeah, as I say, so I started with that, and now I think we have over four thousand reports now. Um, and if a new one comes in, like hints today, we've had two. So what I'll do, I'll get in touch with um, a volunteer investigator who lives in that area, and they will go out and meet the witness and film the area, get size comparison, get you know, have a look for prints, do everything that we can really to kind of find out what the person saw. Um, and get as much information as we can for them. You know, I, I find it interesting too because you are in the UK. And when I first started doing this stuff back in, well, I started the podcast in 2017, but I started really dabbling in the, the communities in about 2015. And one of the things that I have consistently heard from people in the UK that are into these topics is that Bigfoot is not on, in the UK. And it's like it's like this common. Uh, and I, I had I oh I forget his name and I, Andrew something I think it was years ago. I had talked to this guy and um, and he's in the UK and he investigates these things and uh, uh, he does you know sea creatures and all that kind of stuff. But uh, when I had him on, he he we we broadcast the show and I got a noticeably amount of emails from people in the UK that listen. They're like there's nothing here. There's absolutely nothing here. And so when I, when, when I hear people like you and him talking about this stuff, uh, it, it just tells me that there's a shift. And when you said that there was in 2010, it seemed like there was a lot more interest and stuff. So it's a very new shift in, in the uh, perception in the UK from what I Yeah. And, and, and honestly, before I saw what I saw, I would have agreed with them. I would have said it was absolutely ridiculous. It was impossible and there's no way whatsoever it could have happened. But that's all I was left with. Just, you've, you've seen, I was 15, so I was completely and utterly terrorised. If I'd have been in America, I would have been able to think, that was a Bigfoot, that was a Sasquatch, something seven foot tall, completely hair-covered, that looks like a man and an ape that have been pushed together. In England, there's nowhere to go with that, so it wouldn't fit. With the UFOs, I couldn't report it there. It didn't fit with in in a paranormal sense. He looked completely fe- flesh and blood, but I'm not hundred percent that he was because I didn't touch him. You know, um, so the hardest struggle I had was just being able to say to people, "I don't know what he was," because we witnessed something. It doesn't make you an expert on it. So. <laughs> You know, and you, your listeners will say the same. If they've had an experience and they'll say, oh, I had an experience with, you know, UFO, it's down to them to prove that experience. And I don't think it should be like that. Yeah. I can't prove what happened that day. But you can't put 38 years of work and effort into something. It, it, you know, if it's just a made up story, I've been planning these hopes for an awful long time, <laughs> you know. Um, and I, as I say, I would have said the same. I would have said there's no way whatsoever that they, they could be in this country, regardless of whether they're flesh and blood or they're dimensional or a sentient being. Um, and I can't say that now. I just can't. I've spoken to too many 
normal, everyday people, so postmen, people in the army, police officers, um, dog walkers, mass majority of dog walkers, unfortunately, that make these reports. And many of them will start with, I don't even believe in this, but, you know, when I was out today, this is what happened. Um, and then you can say, I, I, normally at that point I'll say to them, um, try and get a, better, a good, really good description of, of what it looked like, um, a really good description of the area if I can. And then you're trying to guess. So somebody may say, there's one, for example, there's an area called Thetford. In, um, it's a huge forest, has a road truck running through the middle of it. And most of the witnesses there said, bear, man, a bear that was up on two legs, a baboon that was up on two legs, or just a monster or a creature. So nobody's mentioned the word Bigfoot, but what they're all seeing fits the same description as Pate. So these large shoulders, little neck, a very Neanderthal-like face, no, no hair on the face, but very dark, leathery skin. But today's, the account that came in today, his description, I wrote it down, was long, shaggy grey hair and a white face. So the descriptions come in in all, all shapes and sizes and colours, just as we do in the US and in Canada and Russia, across Europe, because obviously we've had witnesses from Europe that have come forward as well. Yeah, you know, it's funny because people will say that there's no... Uh... There's no Bigfoot in the UK, but I saw a baboon. Come on, now. <laughs> you know that, that that doesn't make sense either. But uh, you know what you said earlier here, I, I absolutely agree with you, and I say it on the show several times that uh, it, it uh, my show is chronolo- uh, chronicling people's stories that they've been through, everyday people, and. Uh, it's not my job as the podcast host, and it's not the person telling their experience job to convince the whole world that they're what, what they, of what they saw. Uh, it we just we present a platform that allows people to share those stories, and then it's up to people who hear those stories to walk away, consider the story, and decide for yeah. themselves what they want to believe and how and how this all operates. Because the, the deeper you get in these topics, and I know you know this, the deeper you get in the topics the weirder it gets. And, and like, you, like you mentioned, I mean, how people, you know, they, they have similar experiences, but it's not, they're not talking about the same type of uh, creature. Yeah. And it's just like something, something's a little off here. And, and to say that any of us are experts is, would be silly, very silly in my mind. Yeah, most definitely. I've got more questions now than I had in the beginning. I'll be honest. And I, in the beginning, I just wanted to know what it was. What was it? But then you've got to answer the question. So where, what are they? Where are they from? What do they eat? How do they breed? We get those questions across the world. The American researchers and investigators get them. So, and they will probably attest with me when I say, you can take the best footprint that you can find, the best hair sample that you can find, and you put it in front of your peers, and someone will say that you faked it. You, you could drag one kicking and screaming out of the forest and put it on the 10 o'clock news in the UK and some people out there would believe that I hoaxed it. So I'm not out there to answer their questions. What I see is the 18-stone man that's built like a Viking that's too scared to drive to work tomorrow night because of something that he's seen on the road 
or the soldier that's too scared to go on exercises next week because what he's seen has happened while he's been on exercise. He can't go to his sergeant and say, I've just seen a seven-foot hairy monster, you know, because he'd just, he'd, get, cause he'd just get laughed at. He'd probably, probably have to go for a medical or something like that. And, and I'm not, I know I laughed then, but the amount of people I've spoken to that have had to go to the doctor in the UK because they've experienced something they can't explain, it's ridiculous. And it, it, it makes you feel like there's something wrong up here. Um, and then people say to me, well, prove it to me that they're in the UK. Well, how do I do that? <laughs> but if, we, if you're finding footprints in America and we're finding them here, that's correlation. If you're finding shelters, as we call them, and we're finding them here, that's another correlation. If the witnesses are called describing them, with a, they all look different, but there is a, a theme that runs along, isn't it? Really tall, really big, hairy, isn't a human. So if we, we're matching that for that, then I used to say to people, well, if he's not here, then he's not in America because you've got all the same stuff that we've got. And so have the Russians, you know, and so have the Polish. And, and then you, you start digging and you find just a wealth that's just been hidden to the Brits. There's, there's so many years where there has been no mention in our history of the Wood Wolf, as he was called back then, just 17th century, just everything stops. So nobody talks about it, yeah. Why, why do you think it stops like that? I mean, do you think there was an active push to stop the, the talk about it? Or do you think that, you know, something changed in the environment in the UK? I'm not really sure. I couldn't answer that because there's, there's always been a tall, hairy man of the woods, always. But his, his name's changed with history. So as, as we've gone through, very much like in, in America, you have the, the original names that we would call them. I'm not really sure what that would be. be a Celtic name or an English, early English name. I think Sylvanus or something that, like that, which means grey and hair. We had, um, we call them Dryads at one point, the original name for Druids. And the reason they call them dreads because he said they were half men and half trees and could be both at the same time. Wow. Which, you know. But it's even, Tony, it's even tiny, minuscule things that, that people are mention who don't know about Bigfoot, this tree peeping that they do, this hunched position, almost gorilla-like. Um, you speak to witnesses and you try and embellish and they will pull you back. So you'll say... Did it have um, like a really white chest? No, it did not have a white chest. It was, and you think they're being honest, they're, they're correcting me. They want me to get it as perfect as absolutely possible. And I'm more than happy to do that for anyone. So I do what you do. I say, do you want to come on the show? Do you want to talk privately? Just, I don't mind, you know, it's only an hour of me time. I really don't mind. Um, and that's how we've ended up here <laughs> all these years later. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And you even mentioned earlier about the white face. That's something that I had a report of uh, not far from where I live. And uh, the guy that I, I went out, he, he took me out to the location, him and his brother. This is years ago before I was even podcasting. And, um, you know, the area that he took me to, I was in back then I was like, how could a how could something like this be hiding in these this area? It was very populated and stuff. And then over the years, I started hearing more stories that uh, were, like I, I'm about 45 minutes from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I yeah. it, it's a huge city. And 
I'm getting, I've gotten people telling me that they've seen things even closer to the city. I had this one kid, he was about 12 or 13 years old, like panicking, reaching out to me on Facebook years ago because he had just seen something that he couldn't describe. And I told him, I said, listen, man, like, I I need to talk to your parents first before I talk to you, <laughs> you know. But <laughs> I know, yeah. But oh. uh, but yeah, his his parents let me talk to him and everything, and and they backed up to backed up his story as to what that he told them. But uh, anyways, let's uh, make a transition here, and so this is kind of foundation of how things got started for you guys uh, yeah. over there. But you have a personal story that kind of really jumped you into this, and if you could just mm-hmm. kind of tell us what you experienced. Yeah, no problem. Before it happened, I didn't know about Bigfoot. Or it, it was 1982 in England, so at the time we had three television channels. That was it. That's all we had. So compared to America, it's it's not the same. So I never really heard of it or anything like that. And I didn't know that that's what it was. It took me till I was in my thirties to kind of put that together. I. Um, I didn't want to go to school. It was a lovely summer's day. We'd been in in the morning and I didn't want to go in in the afternoon, so I skipped school with my friend. Um, and my old school was, it looked like something out of Harry Potter. It's an old Edwardian mansion, really, really old. And it's in its own set of parkland grounds. Um, and back in the day, it was like there were streams and fountains and all of that, but it just went to rack and ruin. Uh, and it was really heavily overgrown and there was lots of like ivy and rhododendron and we sneaked into what we call the ivy den and we were in there having a quick fag but we would lay on the floor talking to each other like this so there's all this greenery around us and I noticed something move and I thought it was going to be a teacher and and we were caught you know so that was the about I wouldn't that really wasn't shook me much when I was 15 you know but as I looked, I kind of made eye contact with this thing, and that's the only way I can say it. And he lay out of the bush like this and just looked at me. And I looked at him, and I started screaming. And I don't know why I did this. It was without thought. I pushed my friend to the floor <laughs> so that he'd get her and not me, and I started off running. And I looked back to see if he was coming after me, and she was running in the opposite direction, and he wasn't there. So his must have just melded back into that bush. But it was, it was, it is impossible. It cannot have happened, but it did. And it just, I can, I can describe his face. The amount of arguments I've had with, inside my head with that face and just trying to get rid of it, just trying to come up with a reason. I wanted somebody to say to me, oh, it was, it was just hysterics or it was just a man in a suit or, you know, all of nobody ever explained it away. He was about seven feet tall, seven, seven and a half feet tall. He was huge, these huge jaw muscles, really big muscles here, very pronounced brow, no hair on his face, just a little bit of bum foot, like, like a teenage boy I'd have there. Um, his teeth were human like, they didn't have canines or anything like that, they were flat and normal like a human being's. His nose is like a boxer, kind of flat to his face, but still upturned at the same time. And he just looked at me. That's all he did. He didn't do anything, but that was enough. I was absolutely terrified. I don't even remember running out. I remember coming to on the main road, and that's probably 15 minutes running. 
that I just I have no memory of that. I just remember coming to you on the road and realizing that I had to cross another bit of parkland and it was really, really high. It was about nine, ten feet high. And I just thought, I'm not going through there. They're in there. That was the thought. I'm not going through there. They'll be in there. So I went the long way home, ran into the door, crying and screaming. And uh, my mum said, get upstairs and get your uniform off. Your dad be in in a minute. And that were it. And I was like, mum, mum, I've seen this thing. I've seen this thing. And she was just like, Debbie, just go upstairs and get changed. So when my dad come in, I told my dad. And my dad's a big man. He works on the docks. He's absolutely huge. He used to tear apples apart with his hands as a trick from wow. the kids. That and he looked like he could have just flicked my dad. And I, I was terrified. And I kept saying to my dad, Dad, it was a man. It was a man. And he was like, he, 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 even when we talked about it just before he passed, he said, I know that you were scared. I knew me where you know when your kids are scared and you know when your kids are lying. And I used to go back to school the next day. Um, and I don't know how I did that. I don't know how I did it. Um, I asked everyone. I asked the local mayor if he knew what it was. And um, I just asked everybody. And everybody looked at me like I was a complete and utter idiot or, you know, what's wrong with the kind of thing. Now, all these years on, there's seven other people that have seen it other than me. And they're not people I know or people that I found. Thomas Markham runs an American uh, blog called The Crypto Crew. And a lady reached out to him in, um, I think, 2014. And she said, she came from England, she lived in Lancashire, where I live. And she remembers a young girl who saw a monkey man in the park and everybody in the it's not, we don't live in a big town, it's about 2,000 people. Like everybody in the town kind of ridiculed her. And she said, But I, I saw what she saw. And she would, she saw him in exactly the same place as me. But she saw all of him. It was two years after. Mine was in the summer of 82. Hers was in the winter of 84. And she said, He had no neck. She said, He looked like a man and a chimp together. He was clearly male. You could see male genitalia. And he was completely hair covered, but you could see his skin through his hair. And I would agree with that. She described him as really, really dark in colour. And, and I would agree with that as well. But I remember where the sun was shining him. It was I remember thinking about it and it was almost auburn. But in the terror of it all, you don't take any of that in. I mean, I sat down years after with um, an American artist called Alex Evans. And she helped me put a photo fit together of him as close as I could get it, like kind of as close. Um, and it was then, and I said to her, it had a bit of redness to it, almost. I don't know, like Auburn, I'd say, the colour Auburn. Um, and there's been others. There's a gentleman who was out on the mountain bike. For all, it's a town, I should explain, that it has a, a, a river valley that runs through it and that river valley takes you up to the mountain range and you can go to Scotland or to Wales or to the northeast and there's numerous accounts on that line so I spent the rest of the next 30 years trying to track out how he got there how he could possibly be there um how I saw him and other people hadn't seen him at that point and then I just got on the CB radio and I started just asking truckers if they'd seen anything on the road or I'd write to a local newspaper in a random town and say, you haven't seen anything strange when you've been out and about? <laughs> Des- desperation. 
true, true love. But just anywhere, just anywhere. And then in 2013, 2014, something like that, I'm trying to find someone to get online and, and see if you can find a, like a photo that's close to it. So I'm looking like Neanderthals and Idrogensis and anything down the hominy in that line. And I've seen this face. Oh, and it, it's a Sykesville monster, quite a famous case in America. And they could be brothers. Not exactly the same, but oh, enough to make me throw the lights up. It was awful. It's like I'd gone right back there that day. Yeah. Um, and it, it didn't matter who I'd interviewed between now and then. I was back as that 15-year-old girl. I was so frightened. And um, I didn't realise how much it affected me until my children started to say to me, Mum, you never took us near the woods when we were kids. And my older daughter said, do you not remember that time when we heard that? I heard a really strange growl and you picked me up and you ran with me. And I said, no, I don't remember that at all, sweetheart. And she said, you did. We were on holiday with Grandad and we were at the seaside, so it's not a woodland or anything. And she said, I heard a growl in the bushes and I picked her up. She would have been about three or four. I put her under my hand and ran. I said, no, I don't remember that at all. So I don't know if I've just blocked them out, you know, over time kind of thing. But I'd never took my kid, kids to the woods. And I thought, oh, my Lord, I've got my world's gone down to this tiny bubble because of this fear. What do I do? And straight up, my husband said to me, you do one or two things. You put it down and walk away forever. And don't, just don't ever think about it again. Or find out what it is, Deb. Just, you know, do. I'm really good at, like, looking for stuff. So he said, just do what you do and find out. So that's what I did. You know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> You know, it, it, one, I think it's really cool that your husband said that. And so I, I know there's a lot of people out there that have experiences and stuff and their spouses don't believe them or they don't want anything to do with it. Uh, it sounds like you have uh, a supportive husband. You even said some things in the email when we were talking that made me feel that way. Uh, now, with, with your experience and the, the initial experience, you said you, you pushed your friend down and you ran. And, and your friend ran in like the opposite direction. Did you ever connect with your friend to see if they saw it? And did are they still friends yeah. with you? Because okay, because I mean, yeah, yeah. it's a tiny town. So like, I went to her wedding. She came to my wedding. We both got grandchildren now, and she has no interest in it whatsoever. She calls him the gorilla man, but he didn't have the. He's scared. Her, don't get me wrong, but she was able somehow to just put it away. No interest in him whatsoever. But we had very different lives going up. So she's from the town. And for all I'm from the town, my parents just used to take us away every weekend. Or we'd go, you know, we'd go like fishing and we'd just go away. Any time my dad would get out of town and that's what we did. So I don't know if that's why it affected me more because I stopped all that at that point. But no, she's a very, very long time ago. Um, I was looking on, I thought, I'm going to ask people at the school. On every Friends United, there's a school site, so I'm going to go on there and I'm going to say, does anybody remember the gorilla man in the park? And she popped up and she went, yeah, I do. And honestly, this is the honest girl's truth. I put, shut the laptop and I thought, no, I can't do that. It was like, it was real again. But, you know, so no, people think she's this big secret. She's on my, I say to people, she's on my Facebook friends. She's got <laughs> no interest in it whatsoever at all. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, and, and that's and that's what we see a lot of times too with encounters that people have. You know, they can have experiences with other people, but the the way you react to it is completely different. I mean, you dove straight into it, and she's ran away from it, and she's just like, I don't want anything to do with it. It is what it is. It happened, but I don't want to talk about it at all. You know. <laughs> So she just said, it's the gorilla man. I want to know everything. All right, let's take a second and talk about our sponsor for today's show, which is Simply Safe. And Simply Safe has been a regular on the show and in my life for the last, I'd say, five years, roughly that. I've been nothing but pleased with the service that I get from Simply Safe, and I'm absolutely pleased that I can bring it to you guys as a sponsor. And the great news is Simply Safe just came out with a wireless outdoor security camera. This security camera has a 140 degree field of view. It shoots in 1080p HD with eight times zoom. That means you're going to be actually zooming in on whatever you record and it's going to have a very clear image up to eight times zoom. It has a built-in spotlight with color night vision so you can actually see what's going on at night. You can actually see the license plates on cars, the faces of people approaching your home. Anything that you are capturing on video, you're going to catch it with this wireless outdoor security camera and it has rechargeable batteries, which is great because you don't have to worry about keep spending money on batteries to replace in this camera. It just recharges and it's good to go. It integrates perfectly with your Simply Safe system that you already have or one that you're already getting. So, friends, I'm telling you right now, Simply Safe is at it again. And to learn more about this exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera, visit simplysafe.com/confessionals. What's more, Simply Safe is celebrating this new camera by offering 20% off your entire new system and your first month of monitoring service free when you enroll in interactive monitoring. Again, that's simplysafe.com/confessionals. Go check it out and enjoy your new home security systems. So that was your experience and it got you going. Uh, At what point did you establish BBR investigation and start collecting these reports? I mean, so that your experience happened in 82. Was it years later? No, I started collecting the reports as soon as I could, but I didn't find any until I probably 16, 17, so probably two years after. And I, I, bumped, I got in touch with, um, like I say, truckers. So I was getting reports from some people of these, like the road crossing, these typical road crossing creature. Why that happens, I don't know, because if it just stayed in the shrubbery, we drive past, we'd never see it. So half of me sometimes thinks they're not accidental. But I'd be hearing from truckers that were way out um, on like lonely single roads in Scotland or Wales up in the Highlands. Um, and they'd be making these reports, bangs on the cabs when they're asleep, things being taken. A couple of them had seen what they describe as hairy man, upright to you, like hairy man, um, walk across the road in front of them. So my a lot of my first ones were like that. So and you, they fit because they're way out in the in the countryside. Um and I just did that for as long as I can. I think when I got to BBR, I probably only had about 11 or 12 other than mine. So, but the internet started then. So I was like, right, I can just get this running. I thought it'd be dead easy. I thought I'd just put it in a search engine and it'd answer all my questions and it didn't. So you start looking through forums and anywhere you can search in words that you think, so you're like wild man. And... I'd already at that point knew that I thought, wow, it's really like 
what they've got in America. Not exactly the same, but really like. So I'm going to go down the Bigfoot corridor. There was a chap in the UK that had already started BBR. It was his interest. He'd gone to America as a child and had an experience. And he came back here and he was running the group. And he just, I think he just had enough. He wanted to pursue the paranormal side of things. And he just said to me, Debbie, do you want to take it over? And I was like, yeah, of course I do. Um, and I found Charmaine. I can't remember if Ian was first or Charmaine, but because because I, I met them both in the same six months. Ian was an ordinary uh, builder from Yorkshire. He was walking his dog about half past eight at night. He's walking down a farm lane. So he said there's forest on this side and, and farms on this side. The dog reacts first, starts barking and yelping. He's looking for a fox or a rabbit or something. And he said this thing steps out of the tree line. It's about eight feet tall, completely hair covered, really thick shoulders. Um, and I asked him what his face was like. And he said he kept, kind of kept its face in the shadow. And I don't really remember facial features. But what I do remember is it looked left and as if to say, don't step out. And he, he was so shocked. He, was, he said the dog was running at it and barking at it. And he, he said, I just, I don't know how I did it. But I just turned around and walked off as calmly as I could. But he said, I, w- I went, all right, like, which is the normal Yorkshire hire. That's how they say, hello, hi, they go, right. And that's what he did to it because he was in so much shock. He just did that. So then he's out there. He's searching for other witnesses in the UK. So then we're like, well, do you want to hear my, this is what happened to me. And he's like, well, do you, and it was, that's how he came up with the, the Green Corridor. Um, I think, can I get from his report in the northeast to my report in the northwest without hitting a town? Well, I can if I follow the river. If I stay on that river and I can avoid all towns. So then we find Charmaine. So Charmaine's eight at the time, she's in her forces now, very academic. She lived, her grandparents lived in the highlands of Scotland. So really, really fast out there. Now it's uh, a Sitka plantation, but back then it was natural forest. She said it's about half a mile down the farm path to the main road to get the mail. And that's what she's doing. She's walking down with the dog and the dog reacts first. And she said, I'm looking for a fox or something that's come out of the farm. And I turn and she sees this. She only sees him from behind. And she said he's completely hair covered. He's about eight feet tall. And he's holding onto a branch, examining a leaf like this. And she runs in and she tells grandma and grandma says, oh, that's just the ginger ale. Like it was nothing. So wow. a couple of months later, yeah, a couple of months later, she's driving back in the car and she said, this is just this humanoid shape in the middle of the road. It's dark, but it's, it's just stood there, this illuminated hominid and none of the adults commented on it at all. And she said there was another time when they were picking raspberries and this howl came up the valley and all of the parents got them all together and brought them back home. And she, like I say, she studied the hominid line for, like me, she studied whatever she could to find out. What, so you've got three people and you've got a nice little base going. So it's like we can lean on each other. She's finding reports in Scotland. I'm finding reports in England. And then my daughter said to me, we were pinning them on the map, actually pinning them on a wall map at the time. So you couldn't keep any information with it. Just the pinpoint. And I I want to know what else is, is it like I'm going to dig? Is there any howls being reported in that area at any point? Screaming woods are a good one. I always look for 
reports of a screaming when I think, right, that's where we need to be looking. Um, and then it just went from there. We found Jazz. He was seven. He was waiting to watch how the West was won one Sunday afternoon. Um, one of those homes, like most of us, where it stops your house is the last, and then it steals and farms and rivers and woodlands, very like mine. That's where he is. He said, he looks to the side of him, and this is just chimp face looking in the window at him. And uh, he was so frightened by it that he drew it. He sat at the kitchen table and drew it. And went in school and showed it to the teacher the day after. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that's enough to terrify kids. I mean, you know, <laughs> coming across something, examining a leaf that <laughs> you had no idea even exists and no. then it's peering in a window. Uh, that That's terrifying. Um, it's something that we didn't mention earlier, mention earlier and uh, I want to bring up. And I might be wrong in the number, but you guys have about 250 researchers right now with BBR. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, probably more. We've got a couple in America, some in Australia, across Europe. It's free. We don't ask for any money or anything like that. And a lot of people will join just because they like a podcast. They like the subject. They want to talk to like-minded people. And then that's why we do we do like a bi-weekly live feed, just so they can chat. I'll just whitter on. And they just chat to each other in the chat. And we meet up once a month in a different town across the country. So our next one's on Saturday. Um, we'll go, we'll just have a cup of tea. And witnesses come out, investigators come out. And if a report comes in in an area, so like today one's coming from the Medway. And the Medway is um, just south of London. So you wouldn't think that anything would be coming in there. Well, the River Med- Medway has 16 reports along it of upright, tall, hairy men. So what I will do tonight is I look for a researcher or an investigator in that area who's happy to go out and have a chat with this man. And that's how we do it. And then they take the report, that comes back to me, and then I release it on the podcast and invariably we get. I was listening to the podcast and it made me think about an incident that happened much, you know, many years ago now. You made me think, think about it in a different way. Um, so we get a lot of historical reports as well, but they're still important. They build up that knowledge base, you see. Yeah, absolutely important. Uh, so you guys are actually meeting with the people face to face then? Yeah, yeah. Wow. It, whenever we can, as, as often as we can. Um, we've got a good little community going now. So anyone that comes in that's new, I, I'm not one for telling them what they've seen. I want them to just to know every single theory that's out there and an option and opinion and then work that out for themselves. So I don't just introduce them to, say, a, a, what I would call a flesh and blood investigator where they're out there looking for prints, physical. I'll, I will put them in touch with him, but I'll also put him, them in touch with a number of other people who have different opinions because you, you want them to taste all of the flavours before they decide. Um, and as you say, some just walk away, they're not interested and others get a real... Real, they get a lot from it, I think. I mean, I do. It's just really nice to be able to talk to people about the subjects that we like without them giving you the side eye all the time. <laughs> I totally understand. I totally understand. Uh, so it seems like Bigfoot has been uh, a, a huge, obviously, I mean, just, just judging by the name of it, it's been a big motivating factor for the organization. Uh, for you personally, now, I know there's 
uh, everybody has their own flavor that they like. And so some people, their their favorite encounter stories are when it's terrifying that they, or, or some people it's their favorites are, you know, did you see amazing detail? Uh, what, what kind of experiences have come across your desk uh, over the last however many years that really stand out to you? It's like, that is one of my, I don't know if the right word is favorite, but that, that is a, that is an encounter story that we received that really just stands out to me. There are so many of them, but I would say Derek, Derek lives down on the Medway. Um, he's really old now, he's in his like 70s, but this this one really tugs at me. It really, really does. But when I said to you back in the day, I'd be on the radio, CB radio, anything that I could. And, and I met him and he was from up in the northwest where I live, but he was down on the Medway. And he's telling me that his when we first moved down there, you got to understand it's not that far after the war. So he's come from a city and he's moved to a really rural area in the middle of nowhere. And he said his wife was really frugal, so she'd stretch a pound as far as she could stretch it. But anything that they got or anything that he caught when he was poaching, because it's illegal to hunt in the UK, you're not, we're not allowed to do it. So anything he got that he poached or fished, she would put half of it in the wood for the caretakers. And he said for the first 10 years, he thought they were actual caretakers, like people who worked on the, the land and stuff. And he said, but it really annoyed him because if he'd catch like four trout, he'd have to give to, to the land. She insisted on it because she said that for all the time, that her, the farm had been in the family for probably five generations and it had never failed. And it had never failed because they did these certain rituals where they would take, if pick, she'd pick blackberries, she'd leave us there. And she'd go on with it, and it kind of worked. And she, she, one night, he sat down, and he, and he, he said, honestly, I thought something was going on because she'd keep nipping off to the woods without me. And she said to him, "Have you, when you've been fishing or you've been outside, have you ever seen anything, you know, like that looks like a monkey?" And he's like, "Don't be ridiculous." And they had a row, he said, and they had a really bad round. They hadn't had a, an argument like that up to that point in the marriage. And she said to him, come with me and I'll show you. And he was like, right, okay, I will. And he said, she storms into this woodland and she's like, right, come out. I want you to." And he said, nothing happened. Nothing happened at all. And he said, I made the worst mistake of my life. You know that thing that you do when you check to see if somebody's ill? Yeah. He put his hand on her head as if to say, you all right, sweetheart? And he said, she went home and she wouldn't speak to me. But I've never seen her that upset. I've never seen her that upset at all. And they just, after about four days of silent dinners, they just decided to just let it drop and not talk about it again. But he said she was really depressed and down about it. And unfortunately, about five, six years later, she passed away. And he, he, he went through a really bad time. Um, and he said he was just drinking just to get to sleep. And I think they'd been married at that point for like 40, 50 years or something, you know. Um, and he just couldn't cope without her. And he said the, the one thing that kept him going was she loves the garden. And he knew that if he didn't do the garden, she'd be heartbroken, even though she wasn't there. So that's what he started doing. He said to get himself out of it, I'd go out in the garden. And he said one day he's working in the garden and he's seen something really fast run between the farm and the garage. So he presumed it was someone coming to nick the generator because that'll happen a lot here on the Land Rover or whatever it is they're coming to nick. So he runs to the house as fast as he can and there's nothing there, nothing there at all. So he says, I sit down, I have a cup of tea, I light the fire, I'm looking out the window. He said, and I see the back end of something 
go under the fence. He said, you can't, I don't suppose I can say, I say ass, a hairy ass. He said it was probably, a, I thought it was a teenage boy, you know, hold on, went underneath the fence. And he said, I run to the window and I slipped and I went down. By the time I got up, it had gone. Over the next three or four years, he starts seeing them a bit more. So they're like popping out from behind trees and stuff like that. And he said, there's this really big old one. Um, and you used to see him with a bit really big old grey female. Never said what, he never put a word into it, Tony, but they. Um, and he said then then one day he realised that she was right, Lily was right, all those years that she told him and he'd never, ever believed her. And there he was looking at him himself and he just said, that's my biggest regret is that we could have done this together. So I think that's the one that sits with me. Yeah. Um, real six mate. And he got sadder because we're still in touch. And he said, I seen the I seen the old man today, Debbie, and he's on his own. She's not with him this year. Because I don't I, I know in America it's the same. You kind of go off somewhere and you'll get lots and lots of activity and then it'll quickly go quiet for months on end and then it'll start up again. And he said, Yeah, he's on his own. I've seen her, I'm not seeing her this year, she's not here. So that's quite sad. But, um, yeah, we're still in touch. I talk to him quite often. Oh, he's lo- he is lovely. <laughs> you know, but he lives, he lives where these 16 other people have reported seeing them. Wow. So Yeah, th- that is sad. I mean, it's almost like his life, uh, his life path went the same as this creature's as well, where they both lo- <laughs> lost their significant yes. other. And uh, that's a sad story. I, I, was, I was hoping for something more peppy, but uh, <laughs> I. Uh, uh, so I'm I'm assuming after he had that experience or these ongoing experiences and stuff, I imagine, like you said, he has that regret and things like that. Does he feel uh, a sense of connection to these things because she had? Yeah, I, think yeah, I was wondering I, about I think that. So. Yeah, I think so because. Obviously, he's he's not drinking anymore, so it, clearly he's got better throughout the interaction. You know, the interaction, I think it was just, I think they had the argument hung between them a lot because I think they were because they were so nearly wet and he's not believed you. I think that that got to that's what I got from it with him, and I said to him, "You've got to let that go. You were both young." If I was only 20 or something like that, you know, we make mistakes. It's okay. Um, I was found a footprint, a perfect footprint, toes, movement, the whole nine yards. And my husband <laughs> drawn through it, went like that with a stick across it. And oh, oh, that was it. Yeah. So we all make mistakes, you know, yeah. that's what I said to him. But there are some, there are some funny ones, and there are some that are just scarier, even though there's no actual attacks i'm going to say it we don't get these reports of people being killed but that doesn't mean that people don't go missing because they do um but the these this like a distraction that goes on so like things will be thrown noises will be made um running feet almost like a bluff charge we get an awful lot of that but there are the odd places in the uk where there's a high level of cryptids and there's a high level of missing males we've got to be honest that does happen just missing males, really. Yeah, yeah. There's one in the New Forest, down in the New Forest. I don't know how this happens in America, but we have a term that is um, no suspicious circumstances. 
And that means that the, basically that's what the police say when they don't know what happened. Um, so down in the, the forest, we've got a lot of dogman reports, canine reports, that kind of thing. And they find a trainer, which is a, a sports ship with a sock and a foot within it and half of the calf bone. But that was declared <laughs> no suspicious circumstances. So there's nothing suspicious about this. It's a natural death. Don't worry, but there's nothing to see here. Um, I don't know how they knew that because they didn't have the rest of the body. Where I live, uh, similar thing. You've got along the river, you've got an awful lot of cryptid reports and there's a massive number of missing men or men that are pulled from the, the, the canal, as we call it. And there was a lady's leg found, just the leg, just the bottom half of the leg. And uh, they said, oh, it's just no suspicious circumstances. There's nothing going on here. A year later, probably 20 mile upstream, they find lots of um, garbage bags with her body parts in. So the legs obviously broke. Animals have opened the bags and, it, you know, it's come down straight. Still, no suspicious circumstances. So naturally, she chopped herself up and put her in those bags itself and tied them up. That's, that's what you're dealing with in the UK. So whether there's any real attacks, we just wouldn't know. They would cover it up. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sounds like it. Uh, yeah, if that's not suspicious, then Bigfoot definitely wouldn't be suspicious. <laughs> I, <laughs> definitely. You know, and that kind of goes along with uh, another lady. I was uh, I was trying to connect with her to be on the show, and uh, and and she declined actually. Um, but this was UFO, and I'm not exactly sure when it happened. But she actually saw a military aircraft. Yeah. I would assume a helicopter shoot down a UFO. Are you familiar with that story at all? No, no, but it doesn't okay. surprise me whatsoever. Yeah, because like her her whole motivation, because she she's not into any of this kind of stuff. But after she what she saw, she is like, I I want the truth to be put out there that yeah. that our, our our government, our military shot one of these things down and they were not acting aggressive in any way. And so she she has an angle where she feels it sounds like she feels very sympathetic to um yeah. to the craft but uh i reached out to her to have her on the show and she said initially yes and then i think she looked at my website and saw that i talk about things other than other than ufo's and she's like none of that exists this guy's crazy you know because she she was she like she was so new to all this stuff that all she knew was the ufo that she saw get shot out of the sky and i think she was just like i don't want to talk to this guy you know so it is what it is maybe she'll hear this interview well, and, and think it different they're lost I mean, I got that in the beginning. I'd get people saying, why are you interviewing him? He's not had a Bigfoot report. Well, it doesn't matter. Does it matter? I, I've never seen a dog man, but I spoke to thousands of people who have. You know, we've been traumatised by it. Um, I've never had a UFO experience, but I can categorically tell you that I have spoken to witnesses that have had implants, that have lost an hour and a half time, and have had ball bearings in the neck or in the toe. Of strange bruises. My husband had an experience with a UFO when he was about 21, and he had three friends with him at the time when it happened. And he's got a triangular scar on his arm. So, for all I've never seen one, I, I absolutely 100% believe that he did. You know, wow. I just wasn't there, but I know when my husband's telling me the truth. So, he has a triangle shaped scar yeah. on his arm. Wow. On his arm, that. Yeah. Yeah, there he is oh, now. Yeah. 
<laughs> you're just going past to take the dog out. But yeah, it was about 21, weren't you? Yeah, 21. Um, and they, it was about one o'clock in the morning, and it was him and three of his friends. What one, they, they used to, there's little shops here, but back then, yeah, it's shut at eight o'clock. So if you needed like anything, you'd have to walk to the motorway, which I think you guys call it a freeway. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to walk to a service station, really, and that's what they were doing. Um, all kind of lost consciousness at different parts of the walk, but all came to we uh, describe it for me again. Head, what was yes. it? In a star shape, all head to head. In a star shape, all head to head, on top of an ancient barrow. There was a light above them. Um, and it shot off. It did a really strange movement. And then it shot off to Winterhill, which is a, a massive aerial, um, a big satellite thing that you can... We live between Jodrell Bank and Winterhill, so there's a lot of aerospace stuff goes on there. Uh, and and that were it. But he he didn't tell me anything about that until he, he was probably in his late thirties, early forties. He just just didn't want to talk about it, did you? No. But I, I luckily now, I mean, I've interviewed the three men that were with him, and they all give him exactly the same story. Um, and then I found other people that have seen something here. Um, a young lady saw it on the same motorway. She was driving with a family when they saw it around about the same time. So that's how I got into the UFO side of things, was trying to find answers for Mark, really. Because uh, he had a, a, a missed an important bit out. When they got, he said, when they came to, it was like they were drunk, kind of a bit. And he said, we didn't really talk about it on the way home. We just walked home um, and didn't really talk about it between ourselves at all. It was almost like unspoken about. And they had an, an hour and a half of missing time. Wow. So... Uh- mm-hmm. With the missing time idea for him, is the assumption that there was an abduction that was happening there, or what? How does he conclude? I don't know. I said to him, "Would you want? Would you want to know?" Because one of the things we're trying to set up at the moment is um, one of the members of BBI has actually done a, her hypnotherapy course. So we're not at no point are we going to put people under regression, but you can do some relaxing techniques so that we could do that with them. And then when we interviewed him, we tend to find he had a bit more information out of it. So I said to him, would you be willing to do that? And he said, no. He doesn't know what's scarier, not knowing what happened or knowing what happened. And that's how he left it. It was like, it's the lesser of two evils, isn't it? You know? Yeah. But yeah. 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 That's actually something that a lot of people say, you know, when, when they're faced with the option of regression therapy, and or not, they, they. A lot of times, people choose not to because they, they, what they remember makes them feel so uneasy. They don't want to remember anything else. Even though you and I, as the people who record these these people's experiences and stuff, we would love to know more. The chances of that ever happening for some people is very slim. Mm, I'd love, I'd love to be regressed. I would love to go back to that day, and and kind of look at it with adult eyes. I'd have made him bigger. I'd have made him scarier in any way. You know, just. To be able to look at him and not run and just taking everything that I could. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to do it. Is, is, is there <laughs> anybody in, in the UK that could do that for you? I mean, have you come across anybody that oh, would? Yeah, a couple of chaps have tried, but just didn't. I just didn't go under. Not everybody's susceptible to it, are Some people it will work really well on. But I'm hoping because it's my friend that's done it and we, we already have a trusting relationship. 
I'm going to, I said to her, will you do me? Because it might work, because I trust her. It might be easier. I think I'm so frightened of going back that I, sometimes I, I kind of, I think I forced myself out of it the last two times, you get what I mean? It's like you're going to the dentist, you've got to do it. But when you're in the chair, you want to run. And I think that's what maybe what I was doing. Wow. Being yeah. honest. Yeah. No, I and that makes sense a lot actually. And you know, I, I definitely I definitely understand that because there has I, I I've never been regressed. I, I don't think I have anything to regress about, but uh, you know, maybe one day I will. But the 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 thought of it though always has gotten me curious as to how it works because people talk about how, you know, it puts you in this relaxed state. Um and I'm a kind of a uptight, tense person to begin with. Yeah. Uh, trusting people, especially people that I don't know, is very hard for me. And so I always wonder if I'd be one of those people that wouldn't be very successful with a regression therapy. Possibly. I mean, possibly. With relaxation therapy is a bit better. So what I tend to say to people, whatever it is that you zone out on. So for some people, it's music. For others, it's running or riding a bike. That When you're at your most relaxed, it's probably the best time if, if you're going to give an, an interview to someone or you, if you're nervous, just do it when you're really, really relaxed because I think you, it's just much easier. I just think I don't, I, it, I've seen it work for people. So I'll say to people, if you paint before we speak, just go and paint for an hour or two just so that you're at your absolute relaxed and I'll let you lead the conversation. It's kind of put it in, in their hands. So I'm not going to ask you any trick questions. Because people are really nervous about being interviewed, aren't they? They really are. Yeah. 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 That, that is definitely true. I've ex- had that experience as well. Uh, yeah. I think my most relaxed is... I, I tend to zone out sometimes when I'm editing my audio and I forget I'm supposed to edit it. And I'm just like, 15 minutes goes by and I'm just listening. I'm like, wait a second. I, I, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm supposed to be working on this. <laughs> That's me. I, I do. I think I don't remember hearing that. So you, you, you just carry on, don't you? Think oh, twenty minutes has gone by. I've got to go back to that bit and start again. That's the best bit. I think I, I get really relaxed when I'm editing. I like the editing. It kind of turns my brain off from it all. If you get what I mean. Yeah. I do. I, I like kind of sourcing an image or something. So I'm really trying to find an image that will fit perfectly because my art skills are useless. So. <laughs> true they really really are but um i like i just think everybody has a story whether it be a cryptid one or whatever not everybody has every person in the world has a really good story in them that you could sit and drink your coffee with and listen to yeah you know people have amazing stories don't they they really do and it's it's really just everybody's an individual they all they all have their own life experiences and uh it's just i don't know i i think that people need to just get more comfortable in their own skin to be able to share some of this stuff because it's, it's really hard to come to terms with It's like, there, there's a, a guy I just, I just talked to last night and his girlfriend had some really incredible experiences, but you know, to get her to come and talk to me, I mean, she knew he was going to be interviewing with me. She knows who I am. She listens to the yeah. show, but, uh, to, to get her to talk to me is he says like pulling teeth and so you know <laughs> i understand that. i really do understand that yeah i it's when we were chatting in email if you remember i was speaking to you about my friend randy who was in bc in canada and i presumed that it was really really easy to make a sasquatch report if you were from america or from canada i thought people were 
shouting for the stories and and he's never really shared with anyone but me and I think because he just used to listen to my channel and he just he just said that he just enjoyed my voice so he'd listen to the channel and his wife said just message her just send her a message and ask his Sasquatch encounters because he had two are absolutely mind-blowing, absolutely mind-blowing. So why nobody would take them in the, in America? I can only presume it's because he didn't fit the mould. Because what you've got is you've got a guy that's native to that area. So he's been out there forever. He's in his 50s now. So he works with bears. So he counts bear population. Um, he hunts his own food, you know, pretty stuff. He lives up near Slave Lake. Um which is not well, not that far in American terms from Yellowknife, but in English terms, it's a long way. He was out um, hunting, and he said he, he parked the car about five miles away, and he'd walked in, and he said he heard this noise, like this screaming, awful noise, and a moose came running out of the woodline, and he said its eyes were rolling. I was terrified; I thought it was going to kill me. And on the back of it was what he described as a creature, this thing that looked like a caveman, was on the back of this moose. And he said, I just took, I didn't even think to pick my gun up, didn't never entered my head. I thought, if you see me, I'm dead. So he just kind of backed out slowly. And he said, where he left it was that the, the creature had this, like the moose's neck in its arm and it had it down to the ground like this. And he said, I, I don't even know I got back to the car. He said, and I got in the car and I drove and I stopped about a mile down the road and I just couldn't put it together what I'd seen because it's probably in his 40s. This is the first time he'd ever seen anything outrageous like that. Um, and it really shook him, really, really shook him. And then so he, he said he started going close to Edmonton when he was hunting. He went with his boys. And he said, we get to this bit in the forest and it looks like every single tree's been trashed. There's just not a tree standing up anywhere. He said, and as we're looking, we see this bear coming over the rise. And he said, I work with bears, Debbie. When bears walk along, they sniff the air, they move their head like that, and they sniff the air. This was walking like urine. And as it came over the crest, he realised it was on two legs. And it didn't see them. And he said, when it did suddenly realise that they were there, it kind of turned on a dime, was his expression. So it's kind of gone like, oh, like, really cartoonish, gone behind this tree. He said he flopped to his belly and crawled out backwards. And that, wow. if I hadn't taken that report, we just got completely lost. It just, we wouldn't know about it now. That's, you know? That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. So he sees, the first time he sees one, it's hunting a moose. And uh, and the next time he sees one, he's the one hunting and he catches it off guard and it 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 hides jumps yeah. it, it, it jumps yeah. to its belly and crawls away flat to its belly and crawls away and wow. people out there that are really into sasquatch will have heard that that motion yeah meant plenty of times they either go from flat on the floor straight up or from straight up right down onto the belly and on both times he was terrified absolutely terrified and he had a weapon on him and he said he didn't even enter his head because it was just what he was seeing was just so big so I thought, I'll never be able to, it's, it's vast out there, I'll never be able to find another report so I can say to him, look. And I did, by the way, 10 mile away in Mitsu, there's a man and a woman driving a car with the kids in the car and they see exactly the same thing that he describes. 
in the woods watching them from behind a tree like this. So I was able to say to them, look, there's somebody else in the area that's also seen something similar to you. So I would imagine, because obviously I'm, I'm hoping that you'll chat with him, you'll get far more details out of him. Because I don't really have an understanding of um, America and hunting laws and the stuff that he taught me was absolutely amazing. Wow. He said there was another time when he shot a deer in long grass. Um, he said, and he went over to get it, it was completely gone. He said there was like no drag mark, there was no sign of the deer running out, there was just nothing, the deer just completely vanished. Yep, that's uh, something we hear about a lot, you know. It, once you shoot your deer, you better get on a quick, you know, yeah. <laughs> because there's there's other things out there they're going to take, and not even just uh, Bigfoot, but uh, you got you got to tra- track that thing fast. Uh, well, I would say this. I mean, you know, if Randy's listening right now, I would love to talk to him. And uh, if you want, go ahead and reach out to him and stuff, and see if he'd want to talk to me because I would be absolutely up for something like that. Uh, he, he would. He, he most definitely will. Um, and we keep in touch because you always keep in touch. We just keep in touch and he'll give me like the odd update as a friend. So we're not really talking about Bigfoot or anything like that. It's like the kids and the dogs and things like that. He's a lovely chap. He really, really is. And I just thought, isn't it strange that there's all those people across America that could have taken his report and he's only felt comfortable with this little old lady in the northwest of England. (laughs) Uh, you know, but you, you see what I mean? It's a strange world, isn't it, that we that we live in? It really is. But always, it's- the technology of today bridges the gap so much. You know, uh, there there's so many people that have access to you and your show, your your organization because of the internet. Uh, that the yeah. internet's the reason why the reason why you even you know started looking back into the whole thing, right? I mean, you said that yeah. it kind of died off, yeah. and then so yeah, it did definitely, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the internet yeah. does it does it does some amazing things. Uh, Deborah, would you be interested in uh, doing another hour or so with us uh, for overtime, talking about Dogman, reptilians, and stuff? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's not a problem. Awesome. Well, listen, before we get out of here for the first hour, could you let people know again where they could find your podcast, your YouTube channel, and where they can report things to you? I, I made it as easy as I can. If you just put my name into Google, just put Deborah Hartswell and BBR, and I will pop up. But I will obviously, I'll give you my email and, and a couple of links that we can put into the description to make it easy for people. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right, Deborah, thanks for being here for the first hour. You're very welcome. I really enjoyed it. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. Just share the show if you enjoyed it, because that's the best thing you can do to help this show grow down the road. And again, friends, let you know, we are doing the YouTube as well. So go ahead and hit subscribe on the Confessionals YouTube channel and watch today's interview if you want. You know you listened to it just now, but if you want to watch it, go over to the YouTube channel. You can see my ugly mug and Deborah's wonderful glowing face. And I also want to let you guys know, on my trip to Kentucky in two weeks from now, I'm going to Kentucky to hunt the dog, man. I've been talking about it. I want to let you guys know, if you're following me on YouTube, you'll be able to catch live videos on YouTube of that trip on the way down. I will not be able to stream in the woods even if I wanted to, which I can't because there will be no cell phone reception whatsoever. But 
I will be streaming periodically on the trip down, doing some live videos and stuff while I drive. So you guys can keep me company because it's like a 10 hour drive and I'm going to be doing it all by myself, leaving around two, three o'clock in the morning. It's going to be an early morning for me driving through the day to get down to Kentucky and start this investigation. And if you want to watch some of the live videos that I'll be doing on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And last but not least, before we get out of here, I just want to remind you, we do have a PO box. I did post it on the website and I've been posting it around on social media, but I'll let you know right now. The PO box number is Suite 361. That's S-T-E 361. And the address is 88 Glocker Way. So that's 88 Glocker Way, G-L-O-C-K-E-R, Glocker Way, Pottstown, Pennsylvania, 19465. So if you guys want to mail any goodies and stuff like that, I've said it before on the show, people over the years have been asking for an address to send me stuff. And I've always given my home address, but now I'm just starting to think, you know, it might be time to actually get a P.O. box. And that's what I did. So there you go. Suite 361 Glocker Way, Pottstown, PA 19465. Go ahead and mail anything you want there and I will get it. All right, friends. Until next week, stay safe, take care. And remember, the truth will set you free. But first, it'll piss you off. Bye. Awakened from the forest in the depths of the abyss, this creature is a paradigm of time lost and time itself. It fears no one. It adheres to no rule that man can create. It forges its own path, and yet its path remains hidden from the world. The sphere of its existence is beyond most comprehension as it exudes its power quietly but transcendent. It needs no one's approval to exist, but yet its very existence is sought after by many. It watches. It learns adapts to the ever-changing environment around it, even as the environment is wrought with corruption. It battles the corruption only when pressed or for the protection of others like it. It is a mirage that few will ever understand. It's a cornucopia of knowledge from an era long past. It's free. It's Bigfoot. My fantasies always consisted of making it big. My soul was nothing more than a bargaining chip. Marketing is what they tell you to do and what you're willing to give. Larping to the fullest extent. I don't wait, I shoot first like Han on a rodeo. And these people don't understand me like reading a Nokian. Stretch thin, like pulling an accordion. My heart ain't primordium. All these historians telling us lies. Setting aside everything is medicalized. Politicians selling the ride. I better my die where the relevance lies. They dress in a light. Reptilians. My resilience is brilliant. I'm here to lead the rebellion on Hellion. Salient alien with no melanin. I'm a Yeti hiding from Armageddon. Come and find me. I ain't even hiding. We ain't the same. I play no games. You do not know me. I don't hold back. I just speak facts. You cannot hold me. I'm under pressure. Oh, take back your strap.
woods. <laughs>